Hello, I'm Joe Ellis, and welcome to episode 82 of Pitodri PS, the predominantly Dons-based podcast featuring not just the Dons first team, but a look across the age groups and genders at the club. And we focus on the respective progress of Cove and Peterhead too, as and when they're making some, uh, as well as the Northeast local representatives in the Highland League and juniors. And not just football, but any sport making headlines in the northeast of Scotland, featuring someone from the northeast of Scotland. Joining me for this journey, as always, Andrew Shiny and Dave McDermott. So here we are recording this episode on the morning of Tuesday, May 16th, 2023. Looking back upon the Hibs game at Petodri last weekend and ahead to the Hearts one at Tynecastle this coming weekend. Uh, more on that fixture soon, but first to that Hibs match Saturday pass, which finished nil-nil, kind of drawing ugly. Uh, not exactly one for the purists. Um, your thoughts, Andrew? I think you've summed it up nicely there, John. It certainly wasn't one for the purists. Um, it was a lacklustre Aberdeen performance against a Hibs side that I thought played really well. Should have won the game. Uh, make no bones about it. They created the better chances. Kelarus was far and away the busier of the two goalkeepers. In fact, I don't recall David Marshall having a direct save to make other than maybe a, a deflected effort from Ryan Duncan in the second half. But uh, the Aberdeen front two weren't given a look in. I don't think they were 100% fit. I thought Hibs defended well and up front. But for a misfiring Kevin Nisbet, I think Hibs would have won the game because Ellie Yuan had a terrific game. Uh, I thought he, he ran poor Hayden Coulson ragged down the, the left-hand side. His pace, uh, his trickery. He, he was unlucky where Header hit the bar. And then there was McCurdy's um, volley on the rebound that skiffed the elbow of... Hayden Coulson and resulted in the penalty being given. It did def- deflect it onto the post. I, I noticed there was discussion as to whether it was denying a clear and obvious goal-scoring opportunity. I don't think anybody in the ground saw anything other than Andrew Dallas when he slowed everything down in the VAR room. But uh, in the end of the day, it was a point which probably Aberdeen didn't deserve to get, but they did get. And with Hearts drawing at St Mirren, it now means the conundrum is Hearts have got to find five points more than Aberdeen with just three games to play. So it sets it all up nicely for Tynecastle on Saturday lunchtime. Yeah, it was a game which uh, which almost never really settled, Dave. I mean, the way we'd been playing coming into it, you'd have thought it's an opportunity missed. The way we played in the day, might we come back to look upon this as being a good point? It might very well, because uh, as Andrew said, Hibs deserved to win the game. They had the by far better chances. But as, as say, Barry Robinson said after the game, you're going to get matches like, like that. You, they maybe got too fired up before the game. He, he wasn't sure with all the, the Gothenburg celebrations, etc. The, the one annoying thing was, I, I did think that when Kellis saved the penalty, the momentum was with Ab- Aberdeen briefly because, say, you know, the crowd for yeah. first time in the afternoon, you could actually hear them. And then some numpty throws a flare and the, the whole game gets, uh, gets uh, stopped for a couple of minutes and there was a, another numpty from Hibs had to do one as well. So it's just talking about doing one. I wish they would, to be honest, these people. But uh, it just, I thought, you know, for for a, a short period, the momentum was with Aberdeen, which it hadn't been for most of that afternoon. And then it just completely went again. But uh, no, it could very well be a point gained and it looked for all the world as though we would actually move six points clear of the of hearts until they got the equaliser right at the desk say with the penalties so um, yeah you know hearts, hibs and all the other challengers they're running out of games 
surely we're not going to blow it from this this position with nine to play for and we've got five of an advantage. But it does set up what could be a, a cup final type of, of game on, on Saturday lunchtime. As long as we get something out of it, which we'll, we'll come to because how we approach it is going to be so, so important. Yeah, absolutely. And as you say, it was looking right up until the final moments as though we'd really got away with one and Hearts had lost, but they equalised at the death. So that gap remains at five with three to go. How much of this game against Tibbs was us being off colour and, and them maybe sussing out how to play against us, Andrew? A bit of both. We were definitely well off the pace. I think when you looked around the side, you would only really give plaudits to Kellerus and the three central defenders. I thought. In the middle of the park, Ilber Ramadani, while he worked his socks off, didn't have anything like as effective a game as he's had in recent weeks. And I mentioned the two up front before, and they were way off the pace in terms of being creative or even having a shot at goal. It was just a, a, a day at the office where Aberdeen just never fired at all. I think we, we spoke about it during the game, you know, how... We're just we're never in control at any point in the game. If there was one side that was dominating, it was always Hibbs. Dave is absolutely right. When the penalty save was made, the place went absolutely berserk. The noise levels were, you know, stratospheric. And we just said, you know, see if we score here um, in the next 10 minutes. The roof's going to come off this place. Mm-hmm. Because there was a huge amount of emotion, obviously, because you had all the Gothenburg greats who are still alive. And God rest your soul, Daddy Cooper. And I was delighted to see the way that he was, he's was he been remembered over the last week or so. But the Gothenburg greats being there, all the emotions surrounding that, had we got a goal, Petardi would have gone up, well, to quote Jock Brown from 40 years ago, Petardi would have gone berserk. Um, but it wasn't to be. But as Barry said, if in a day where you're not playing well, the most important thing is make sure you don't lose the game. They didn't. Um, it's pragmatic. Uh, it's maybe not what people want to hear, but in the end of the day, as we say, that could be such an important point for Aberdeen in their quest for Europe. But uh, I thought Hibs were very good, much, much better than as when they were up at Petordi last time, probably better than when they beat Aberdeen 6-0 down the Easter Road because Aberdeen were so woeful. Once again, uh, I'm afraid refereeing decisions come into the, the spotlight. And what was Nick Walsh thinking? with that challenge by Josh Campbell and Liam Scales. He was reaching for his top pocket. It was The incident was only about 15 yards away from us, John. We could see it clearly. He's reaching for his top pocket. And then the physios are on treating the two players. And then the hand comes away from the top pocket. Now, obviously, his initial thought was, that's a red card. That's a dangerous challenge. And when you see it back, it is clearly endangering an, an opponent. It ticks all the boxes for a red card. But it went to VAR. Now, he never went across and looked at the screen, so he could have just had Andrew Dallas in his ear. Now, Andrew Dallas is not the referee. He's the video assistant referee. So it should be Nick Walsh's decision. But I can only conclude from what went on that Andrew Dallas has gone, you know what, Nick, I don't think it's serious enough to warrant uh, a red card. Just give him a yellow. That, to me, is the bar refereeing the game. That's not what it's there for. Had he been called across to look at the screen and looked at it and then come back and gone, you know what? Yeah, yellow card. It, it just, again, makes you wonder 
how this system is being operated by Scottish referees. It's very interesting. If you go on Twitter today, there is footage um, showing the, or giving you the audio from a VAR check down south. And that's what they're talking about possibly doing up, up here mm. to, to let everybody know what is being said between Clydesdale House and the grounds where the referees are operating. That would make very interesting reading, or interesting listening, I should say, to hear what the dialogue between Nick Walsh and Andrew Dallas was on Saturday. There was no red card. It was 11 v 11. Hibs deserved to win the game, but they didn't. So we move on to Tynecastle. Absolutely. Um, it was interesting. We were seated next to a couple of officials and... Uh, when the penalty was awarded, and you, well, just prior to the penalty being awarded, and you saw the referee running across to look at the TV at that point, I said, look, has there ever been an occasion when a referee has run across to the TV and gone back and not awarded the penalty? Uh, and he said, no. And he said, there's, it should not be. There's been, one, there's been one decision where the referee's gone and looked at the monitor and he said, no, I'm sticking by my decision. Yeah. Will he call him? for Nicky Clark's right guard at Ibrox, which was subsequently overturned. Yeah, well, he, he uh, the, the official sitting next to me said, it, it, it shouldn't be the case that the referee is coming across that TV and going back, having not changed his mind, because something has been flagged up for him. So that was uh, just an interesting take, I thought. Duke went off with what looked like a hamstring injury, uh, which you can only hope isn't as bad as it looked. I think Yilba Ramadani and Johnny Hayes as well were, were sort of limping at the, the tail end of the game. I'm wondering if Duke was maybe carrying a knock anyway, Dave, because he, he never really looked at his brightest in this one, did he? It's important that uh, big though Saturday is, if there's any doubt in terms of, and I'm sure Barry will uh, you know, look at it to totally dis dispassionately. The last thing you want is to risk a, a longer term injury with them. So if there's any any problems at all with, with Duke Ben rest or you know, Saturday, we've got it was interesting that some of the French players came on on Saturdays because they certainly need the game time because, you know, Barry doesn't put too many substitutes on in the normal course of events. So it was good to see the likes of Jane Richardson get, getting a kick because I'm sure half the fans had forgotten they mm -hmm. actually still uh, played for Aberdeen. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, but, you know, important though Saturday is, the main thing is don't run the risk, for goodness sake, of... of longer-term injuries for the sake of a, a short-term fix. Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, who all came on? You had Shaden Morris, Dylan Markenday, Jaden. Yeah, Jaden Richardson. Um, and there's one other. I'm trying to think who it's. Who it was. It was uh, Marley. Marley Watkins. How could I forget? Either yeah, Jaden, Shaden, Hayden. Bring back Stockley. <laughs> but... Uh, I thought Marley Watkins was the only one that really made any sort of positive contribution. I thought the others, they didn't, although they got on the ball now and again, they didn't really make anything change in the game. And you do wonder how long, some, well, Mark and D, I'm sure, will go back to his parent club um, after his loan spell. That was only his second some mm -hmm. appearance. So he's not one that's going to be a, a long-term target for Aberdeen, I wouldn't assume. But uh, yeah, there's there's a fair bit to be done in terms of um, recruitment over the summer because uh, there will be loan players going back to their parent clubs. There will be um, some players who won't be offered new contracts. There will be 
people coming in. So it's going to be a very different looking Aberdeen side at the start of next season compared to what it is just now. But um, for the time being, uh, we, we'll work with what we've got. And you just have to hope that, I think Dave's absolutely right, you've got to take a longer term view than than just this game at Tynecastle on Saturday. You can't afford to risk anybody um, because it's a fairly short, um, close season. And also, you've got to look at Hearts don't have, it's not a case of if you beat Aberdeen, then you're guaranteed that you're going to pick up points from your last two games because there are Ibrox against a Rangers side that seems to have got a, a wee bit of wind in their sails now. And they're at home to Hibs in the last game of the season. A Hibs side that looked, as I said, pretty decent on Saturday, who themselves have got designs on European football, wanting to finish as high up the table as, as they possibly can. So uh, I think... You know, there's there's still an awful lot of football to be played and twists and turns are going to happen between now and the, the last kick of the ball. Even if Hibs weren't challenging for a European place at that point, how much would they like to be the club that stopped Hearts from getting oh, a, a totally, European playoff? Totally. Now, I, as you mentioned, Andrew, I, I liked what Barry had to say afterwards. In fact, I, I like a more week by week, very pragmatic, saying things like, OK, if you recognise it's just not coming off for you today, the way that it usually does, and you don't feel you can win the game, the next objective is to not lose it. And we did that. We're not going to play well every week, but don't take it out of context. Look at the rest of the games since he and Steve came in. Uh, Saturday, the players still ran the same miles. They still tried their best, uh, still fought like they always do. It's just they were a bit below par. Uh, that was the gist of it. And, and one game within that block that he mentions, you can forgive that and move on to the next one, can't you? Absolutely. I mean, the... There's no point in pressing any sort of panic button just because, uh, you know, we lost to Ibrox and we drew Ebbs. Nothing has changed in the fight between ourselves and Hearts for this so important third position in, in the table. So uh, nothing gained, nothing lost. Yes, you would like to have seen them be a wee bit more attack-minded uh, or be able to create a little bit more going forward. But um, bear in mind, you were up against a decent side. Hibs have had a season which has been pretty much a mirror image of Aberdeen's. Good spells, bad spells, but coming right at the at the right time as far as Lee Johnson and his, his coaching staff will be concerned because bear in mind as well, Hibs have still got Martin Boyle to come back into their side for next season. So they're moving in the right direction. They're not a great side, but on their day, they're a, more than a match for just about anybody in the league. So... It, was, it wasn't all doom and gloom on Saturday and Barry's absolutely right. Don't get too up, don't get too down. If you kind of win the game, make damn sure you don't lose it. Yeah, okay, uh, let's look at the next one then. Hearts at Tynecastle, usually a fairly daunting prospect. A Don's win, we're eight ahead with two to play and it's all over. Uh, a draw, still five ahead with two to play. St Mirren at home and Celtic away for us. Uh, a loss, that gap shrinks to two, but it's still in our hands and Graeme Shinney remains unavailable for this one. This is the last of his four-game ban, I think. Duke may miss it through injury. Ross McCrory may still be out. I, I think at times you saw how he was missed on Saturday. Um, given those potentially missing, do we have enough to go down there and win, Dave? Well, I think we have. Um, you know, that that's all the uh, point of having a, a squad. Um, yes, a lot of the players that to me start, depending on how the injury situation is, have, have maybe not had too much game time. And I think the, the the lack of game time is probably one of the reasons why 
the, the subs that came on on Saturday were particularly effect, effective um, in terms of game changers. But no, there, there's no doubt um, we'll go down there expecting to win. And, and I think the fact that we had a below-par performance on Saturday may actually work in our favour because Barry will and Steve will be making sure that that isn't the case again this weekend. It's got all the makings of a very interesting 90 minutes, no matter what way it comes, way it comes out or turns out, and no matter what the starting lineup for each side is going to be. But uh, yeah, I, I do think that there will be changes in terms of enforced changes for, for Aberdeen, but that shouldn't detract from the fact and won't detract from the fact that we'll be going there to win. They've managed to, to shore things up a little since Stephen Naismith stepped up. How, how do we treat this one, Andrew? Is it a smashing grab on the break kind of game or, or do you see us being more imposing and, and try to take control of it? I'm sure Barry would like to go down there and take control of the fixture, but, um, you know, hearts at home are a very difficult side to play against, particularly when you've got the vast majority of an 18,000-plus crowd right behind hearts. Um, it can be a fairly fevered atmosphere down there as Dave and I well know from having been there many times, good times and bad. Um, and when they're bad times, oh my God, you can have some really horrendous times down at, down at Tyne Castle. But uh, you know, that, uh, I would imagine that Hearts will be without Peter Harry after that ridiculous sending off. I mean, how that is a red card. Might as well all just pack it up and go, oh, look, that's a red card. Well, they are appealing it. They are going to appeal it. But what's the guarantee that they're going to get... Like, it repealed to being a uh, rescinded and, and just given as a yellow card. Look at Graham Shinney's one. I'm sure everybody now, when they think about an appeal, they go, you know what? This could cost us the boy for about four games. The appeal committee is so haphazard. Yeah, I, I hope they get sent away um, having been told it was a frivolous appeal uh, because that at least would be continuity. Well, I would maybe suggest that all some sort of consistency, but consistency in the SFA are certainly not, you know, they don't go together. They're not bedfellows, so, uh, no. No, no, no. Strange bedfellows, perhaps, but no, <laughs> they don't sleep together. Um, but uh, no, I, I think Aberdeen still man for man are every bit as good as Hearts. The Hearts defence blows a bit hot and cold. St Mirren should never have lost that these two points that they lost on Saturday. If you want to see the definition of a crazy penalty being given against your team, it was for the, the push right in the 97th minute of the game, wasn't it? The guy's going away from goal. He's nowhere near causing you any danger. You've got something like 30 seconds to see out. Usher him out towards the byline, towards the corner flag. Don't go and push him in the back in the box and give Hearts the chance to get something out of the game that they shouldn't have had, particularly having been down to 10 men. But Hearts, have, they've still got something to play for, without any question. I can see Aberdeen being good enough to avoid defeat there. Whether they're going to be good enough in the day to win, I'm not sure, but certainly good enough to avoid defeat because we are a very solid defensive unit now compared to what we were before. Okay, well, we'll get on to the score predictor in just a moment. I'm going to stick with the, the lineup just for a sec, though, because if we do have injuries, I'd like to know who you'd bring in. So, Dave, I mean, you don't have to, to run through the full team, but just who you think might be out and who you'd bring in to replace them. I think Marley Watkins, if there's, say, any, anybody missing up top, I think you would see Marley Watkins starting. We know, looking at the other end of the age scale, that Alfie Barrage is a, 
a big, you know, Buddy Robson's a big fan of Alfie's. He's showing brief appearances he's, he's had that he, he's very confident. So I, I don't think Barry would have qualms about throwing him in defensively. Again, McCrory is a miss, as you said, John. You know, I, I didn't think Richardson looked too bad when he came on because he had been guilty earlier in the season of some uh, pretty shoddy de- defending at times. So the, there's the, the usual suspects that have uh, been there. We've got uh, Jack McKenzie, uh, who hasn't been featuring regularly. But uh, it's all ifs, buts, maybes, because we don't know who's going to be fit and who's who's not. Obviously, if Johnny Hayes wasn't to play, that, that, that would be a big miss as far as I'm concerned. Mm. Uh, but that does leave it open for the likes of Jack to, to possibly possibly come in. And, you know, we haven't seen anything of Conor Barden since his last injury, although he's, he's back now featuring. And Conor, again, is somebody that I'm sure Barry would happily throw in at the deep end, knowing that he would get, he would get a shift out of him. So it'll be interesting, very interesting. Uh, Andrew, um, uh, you know, I'm just thinking that uh, I said uh, earlier on you had the likes of Johnny Hayes, I think, limping off. Uh, Duke certainly came off before the end of the game. Ilbo Ramadani looked like he was struggling a little bit as well. It's not even just a case of who do we put in to replace him, it's who's going to be carrying the captain's armband because if it wasn't Johnny, I'd imagine it would probably be Ilbo Ramadani, maybe Keller Ruth, but that's a question for, you know, extreme circumstances. Who are you going to put in to replace those that you think might be injured? You hope that Duke maybe felt the hamstring and he was taken off as a precaution rather than he's torn anything. He he did seem to be, you know, he, he he was clutched at the back of his leg, but it wasn't one of those ones where, you know, when you've you've really done a hamstring, yeah, you just go down like you've been shot. So hopefully it was it's maybe been something that he was carrying after Ibrox, because remember he and Boyan both came off down in the, the Rangers away game. I think as Dave said, you know, Connor Barden coming into the middle of the park um, if Ramadani's not fit, but Ramadani's a warrior, isn't he? Like Angus MacDonald at the back. Angus was hurtling off at the end of the game, and I think in his post-match interview with Red TV, he just said, no, no, I'll be okay next week. He's quite convinced that, oh, no, that's just one of those knocks that you get in a game. Um, it, it wasn't. It was probably more a contact injury rather than a muscle pool or something like that. The squad will be stretched. I was slightly surprised that Alfie Babbage didn't get a run out on Saturday because was I, I. He, yeah. he he would have could have made the difference because, you know, he is a proven goal scorer. He's a powerful runner, more so than Shaden Morris is, for example. Whether he's been carrying something, I'm not sure. Uh, Barry sees them on the training ground every day. That's the thing. And um, that's where, you know, we can only guess at what's going on. We're not privy to what's happening behind the scenes. Um, who's in the, the physio room right now, or who's out in the grass getting ready for for Saturday? So, I think the squad is strong enough that we can get through this one. As I say, good enough certainly to avoid defeat. Because as a defensive unit, there's none better in Scotland at the moment than the the foursome that Aberdeen have got: Kellerus and Goal, who's been outstanding since coming back in, and. Pollock, McDonald, and Scales, who have really have gelled into. I'm not going to say a latterly Miller and McLeish, but uh, <laughs> the th- the three of them together can just about do the job that Willie and Alec did between the two. Of them. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, uh, it's interesting you mentioned uh, Ramadani being a warrior. I, I would put into that category the defense uh, as well. Uh, the, the thing that I like about um, the likes of Pollock, McDonald, Scales, Ramadani is even when they were playing, you know, not to their best, they don't hide. You know, they're, oh, they're, totally. they're, they're never trying to just get through a game anonymously. They throw themselves in every single time. Uh, okay, time for a, a score predictor. 12.30 kickoff Saturday lunchtime to uh, allow Beyonce to come to Madryfield later on that day. Uh, and available as a pay-per-view if you can't be there. Hearts versus Aberdeen. Dave? I'm going to go for 1-1. Sometimes these lunchtime kickoffs can be quite low-key affairs. I don't expect that to be the case on Saturday. I think Hearts at home always threaten to score. So we may let in one goal, but we'll also score at the other end. And Andrew? Well, seeing as Dave's nicked the scoreline that I would have gone for if I had a first choice, I'll say that we're going to keep a clean sheet. For the third game in a row, we're not going to quite manage to get the ball over the opposition line, so I'm going to go nil-nil. Okay, I'm going to say a one-nil away win, um, just for the sake of it, just to be different. Let's move on to the under-18s next. They've been in this uh, really unfortunate slump, which just wasn't like them at all, and they needed to shake themselves out of a quick spot if they were to have any say in the destination of the league title. The next game on the fixture list was Hearts away at Orium, where they secured a 3-1 victory there. Before then, frustratingly losing by the same scoreline to Motherwell, uh, on Friday, they were back at Cormac Park playing Rangers, who turned them over a few weeks ago. Uh, this time, though, it was the Dons who prevailed, winning the encounter 1-0. Where does that leave us, Andrew? Well, we're still second in the table, but four points behind Hamilton Ackes, who secured a very narrow 1-0 win against bottom of the table, St Mirren uh, on Friday, uh, courtesy of a penalty. Hamilton four ahead, with two games in hand. They are in pole position, but a good win against Rangers, Blair McKenzie. Um, scoring the goal, a left-footed volley when you're six foot four in a centre half, you would expect to be scoring more goals via ahead, but um, scored with a volley, and then celebrated that on Saturday by signing a new contract with Aberdeen, which I'm delighted for Blair getting that um, vote of confidence in his abilities because this will be his last season at under eighteen. He's turned eighteen now. He's had a good season. He's come on in leaps and bounds as a defender, and they uh, obviously. Uh, the club see him as one who can feature possibly going out on loan next season um, to gain experience rather than being straight into the first team squad. But he's a left-sided centre-half and, as I say, a big lad as well. Um, so uh, good on, on Blair getting that. But um, still down to Hamilton to, to win this. But they've got some difficult games. They've got Motherwell to play twice. They've got a resurgent Dundee United to play twice. And then they're away to Celtic in their final fixture. Motherwell themselves have to play Hamilton twice, they play Aberdeen, they play Rangers, they play Hibs. But crucially for Motherwell, four of their games are at home and they are only a point behind Aberdeen having played two games fewer. The Dons themselves, well, this afternoon, they head down to the DL playing fields. Uh, you know, they get all the, the glorious places, the stadiums, you know, the new camp, the Bernabeu, the DL playing fields. That's where they are at two o'clock this afternoon to play Motherwell. And then on Friday, they're away to the Hibs Training Centre for a 6.30 kickoff against Hibs. And that concludes their away fixtures and they'll wind up at home against Dundee United. So realistically, the Dons have got to win all three games and hope that, you know, somehow or other, I suppose that the ideal scenario would be that Motherwell and Hamilton cancel each other out in the two games that they play each other so that they're dropping point, they're both dropping points. In reality, the league title is between 
Hamilton and Motherwell, with Hamilton being strong favourites. But if you're wanting a target in the last three games, Aberdeen are top scorers in the under-18 league, 91 goals scored. So if they can get another nine goals in the last three games, not that that will be easy, but if they can, they can top the 100 mark. Okay, um, just while we're on the youngsters for a second, um, much has been made this week in the, the sports headlines about the Dons not sending a Colt team to the, would it have been the fifth, a new fifth tier, is that right? A new fifth tier, yeah. Yeah, um, because of the, of the they believe that um, having consulted various stakeholders, as well as looking internally at the club, that it's not the, the best decision for them to go and take up that invitation. Would you agree with that one, Dave? Yeah, I would. It's, this has been done for a few teams, and uh, as usual, the big two in Glasgow are right there in the forefront. But uh, you can see from the, the clubs further down the pecking order, it really completely gives them nothing to actually aim for, realistically. And the whole point of the pyramid system, in my mind, was that you've got the likes of Baxter, say, who could go from the juniors to the high league, and then without getting penalised 24 points, they might have a chance to, to go from the high league into, into League 2. But, uh, you know, so I think uh, well done to Alan, Alan and the, the club for uh, coming out publicly and saying it's not, it's not for them. And they, they would prefer to have a closer association with a, a, a lower league club in terms of working together, uh, helping develop players for both 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 parties. So, yeah, no, fair play to them because... Andrew, how many clubs did it basically bar from, if this went ahead, from getting prom- promotion all the way through? Something like 70 clubs, wasn't it? Up oh, down? It's, it's, it's a, a, just another stop in the road um, to prevent ambitious clubs who the SFA are saying, you know, get your grounds up to the scratch, get an SFA licence, splash out the cash, do this, raise the standards, etc. Oh, by the way, we're going to introduce a fifth league, which is going to stop you from getting up up to senior football. But, I mean, they're talking about a 10-team league where 40% of the clubs cannot be promoted, cannot be relegated. So 40% of your games, you would think, have nothing nothing for them. You know, so it's a nonsense. Uh, and to slot this in um, and just stop everybody down below who's showing a bit of ambition for trying to get up to senior football it, it just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And I'm delighted that Aberdeen have said, no, we're not going to get involved in that because you're going to get much more as a player going out on loan to a senior club where every point is a prisoner than playing in a league, um, which is costing your club to be in it, where, as I say, you can't get promoted, you can't get relegated. So win, lose or draw, it really doesn't matter. Well, glad you didn't sit in the fence for that one, guys. <laughs> thank, you, thank, you, thank you for giving me a clear answer. Uh, it's Aberdeen women who have been just about there in securing their status in the top flight for another season for the last few weeks. And we've been willing them on to do enough to, to get there and breathe a sigh of relief. Bit of an up and down time recently, winning 5-1 against Glasgow women, then losing 6-2 to Spartans. Next in the fixture list was Dundee United at home, which the Dons edged 1-0, a huge win. Uh, with a goal in stoppage time from Bailey Hutchison, uh, enough to secure Aberdeen's top flight status for another season. That one uh, was followed by Hamilton Ackies away on Sunday. It started in the worst possible manner, with Jess Broderick being sent off in only six minutes. Hamilton took a 2-0 lead, but despite being down to 10, the Dons pulled a goal back in the 78th minute. 
Not enough in the end, though, Dave. And uh, not that it matters in any real sense, but you want to win every one. Uh, that being said, I think a really credible achievement, given everything that's gone on around the women's team this season, managerless for a long period. They've had to scrap for every point to stay up, uh, and they've done it against the odds. Not bad, really. And uh, it was great that that, uh, that late, late winner against United uh, finally meant that we're, we're safe for next season. So, uh, and the Hamilton game, you know, given they were playing the vast majority, uh, uh, one one down, I think uh, was a reasonable result. But as you say, the, the main target for the season, given all that's been going on, was uh, consolidation and remain in the top flight. They've achieved that and uh, they're now in hunt for a full-time manager over the summer. We'll see who comes what becomes of that. And uh, they can look forward to, with, uh, with hope and uh, confidence ahead of, ahead of the, the new season and uh, I'm sure they'll do very well after after coming coming through what has been a difficult season on and off the park. Yeah, just one game remaining, that's the way to Motherwell who are currently above the dogs by a considerable distance along with Spartans. Uh, those two seem to be a good bit better off uh, than the other teams did but I suppose it also means they have nothing at all to play for at this stage neither do we I suppose but it'd be lovely to end on a positive note wouldn't it? Yeah it would um, and, and, and also make sure it's 11 v 11 for the the, the the whole of the game this time because uh, you, you know what it's like for if you get somebody sent off so early it's a real uphill struggle and I know sometimes clubs come through those uphill struggles but more often than not uh, results in what, what happened at the weekend was a defeat but it'd be great to end the season with with a win psychologically it'd be a fantastic way to go into the, the summer break but uh, it's going to be very difficult make no doubt with that uh, Finally in the juniors Dave Last Friday night, the McLemon Cup final. Cooter won Stonehaven nil, a 90th minute goal penalty uh, from Cammy Fraser, meaning that for the first time in their history, now remember that Cooter were formed in 1887. Um, won. That's that's when you started doing the juniors, wasn't it, Dave? <laughs> Don't think, but I'll send them up, Andrew. You just said it. <laughs> um, so, uh, that was the first time in their history, in 130 odd year history, that they've won a uh, four local trophies in the one season. So huge congratulations to Lee Youngson and co. And the fact that they've also announced the signing of Jack Henderson from Banks D on a three-year deal is a, a real coup for them for next year. So uh, they're going to be very, very difficult to knock off their current perch. Uh, on Saturday with the Premier League, Dufftown 2, East End 2 in the Championship, Aberdeen Uni 1, Buckingham Arts 2, Banks D 7, New Elgin 0, Newmarket United nil, Forest Thistle one, which means that Newmarket still need a point to go up. Roth Rovers two, Lost Seamouth United nil, uh, Sunnybank Champions four, Devon Sight nil in the Elgudshire Cup semi final. Isle of Vale nil, Fraserby United three, and Fraserby United will play Baxley in the final this Friday uh, at eight o'clock at Davidson Park alongside tonight. We've got one Premier League game, East End against Stonehaven. In the championship, alongside against Rothy Rovers, Rothy Rovers still get a chance of promotion. Newmarket United are at home to Devon side, needing that point to, to definitely go up. And it's Isle of Ale against Glen Tanner. And then on Saturday, uh, East End against Maud in the Premier League in the championship. There's just three games. Buckinghamshire against Isle of Ale could be against Rothy Rovers, who could uh, confirm their promotion at the weekend. And Forest Assault against Glen Tanner, all with a two o'clock kickoff. And that is pretty much it for episode 82 of Pittori PS. But before we finish all together, Andrew has a mention for a, a format on of this parish. 
Yes, a uh, former Don of my old parish, um, Turriff, uh, in fact. Canermit Farm in Turriff is where <laughs> Archie Muir comes from. Archie, who you may recall, was uh, on Aberdeen's books a few years ago before moving down to uh, Norwich City, where he is still a signed Norwich player. But he was out and loan this season to Notts County, who got into the, the National League playoff final against Chesterfield at Wembley on Sunday. It was 2-2 with 119 minutes gone, a minute of extra time left. Archie was sitting on the bench and then he got put on for the last minute of the game and for the penalty shootout. And wouldn't you believe it, he goes and saves two penalties in the shootout and gets Notts County promoted. So Neil Metcalf, our former North Sound colleague, the only Notts County supporter that I know in the world, <laughs> will be absolutely thrilled and delighted at that. Um, but well done, Archie Mayer. You know, he's a, a top boy, Archie, and uh, two fantastic saves um, at Wembley. That's the sort of stuff that dreams are made of when you're farming at Canermit and Turriff. There you go, Big N. That one's for you. Uh, that is it now, definitely, for episode 82 of Pitaudry PS. We aim to publish every week on a Tuesday if we can. We're, we'll always be looking back to the Don's previous fixtures and ahead to the next. Please remember to follow us on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you could rate and review us, tell us what you think of the show as well. We'd be very grateful. Thanks for checking out Pitaudry PS. We'll see you next time.